0: How many dwarves does it take to find a hidden Great Forge? Find out the punchline this week on Hapless Heroes.
1: Thick physically or like mentally?
2: Hello and welcome back to the Hapless Heroes podcast. My name is Dave and I will be your host and dungeon master for this evening. We are, of course, going to start this evening the same way we start every other evening by introducing our cast. Because, well, if you can't remember who our cast is by now, we're going to remind you. Starting on my left with James as Hoblet the Smasher.
3: Good evening, friendos.
2: To his left we have Mike as Lord and Captain, Quinn Southwind.
4: Always at my service.
2: To his left, we have Phil as Hedrick, the Entertainer.
5: Why is whistling so fun if nobody else enjoys it?
2: To his left, we have Zach as Pregnart. My lips can't whistle. To his left, we have Nicole as Boris, the Butcher. Hi, everyone. To her left, we have John as Lord Jarrell, the Light.
6: Hopefully we uh, find Zero before this Baronar catches us.
2: And to his left, we have Francesco as Felix Fizzlebottom. I have a plan. And we return to the great Citadel of Arachnor, somewhere out by the Northwest Gates, where the party has uh, encountered some dwarves and are on a search for a forge.
0: Yep. Looking for apparently the unknown or the, the, the whereabouts of this uh, great forge that Moradin had built into this fortress that I guess was only a rumor up until now. Um, so we have like, like was 15 dwarves that were like, you know, chilling by that complex that are just marching with us now through this like big hall.
2: Yes. A great hall, very Moria-looking, because, oh, well, there were dwarves, and that was what was in my head at the time. So you get, uh, you know, columns and great big open spaces and lots of dust and crumbly rock, even though the place is probably relatively maintained-ish, or was, you know, when it was a little more active up here.
0: Uh, I'm going to look at one of the dwarves of this group of 15 that's now walking with us, I think we're heading... East now, down this large hall, that kind of, you know, the one side stretch of the corner, right? Okay. Um, And I'd be like, hey, so, uh, you know, when Moradin was um, around, alive, uh, you know, uh, you happen to notice him taking any trips out this direction, anywhere? You know, maybe he seemed to frequent that uh, might point us in the right direction of, you know, potentially where this... uh, Great Forge might be hidden. The old father comes and
2: goes as he pleases. Doesn't really check in with gods like us. If any now and again you'll see him. He's a god. He sort of just appears and disappears wherever he wants.
0: Well, that's not helpful. Um...
2: I'm sorry, okay. he doesn't exactly go checking in with the gods.
7: Well, you know, I
0: just never wasn't sure if, you know, do just being the ever watchful dwarves that you are. If you had noticed, you know, any habitual movements of any kind or things like that. It's OK, it's fine. Are you saying gods or guards? <laughs> Aye, yes. Hmm. guards. God.
1: All right. We found Just our, our fucking audio bite. For
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think that's the audio bite for the. Yeah, theme. I think so. <laughs> <sighs> um.
5: well, let, me, let me ask it I mean, we've spent some time with our good friend Hoblet here. He's the only dwarven representative in our party. But uh, will there be, be any like space within this citadel that is considered off limits?
2: See, that's the problem about the citadel this size. We haven't even seen like a half of it. This place is gigantic. Have you seen the size of that cliff face? This is like the entire inside of it. I'm absolutely certain there's parts of it that were off limits. But the best part of something this big is they don't even have to tell you. They'll just hide it in here. You'd never find the damned thing. Great. Am I going from Scottish to Irish? You know... You were
0: going from one flavor dwarf. of dwarvish to another flavor of dwarvish. Is what you are doing.
2: You have to bear with me. You see, my accent goes all over the place when I'm agitated.
0: <laughs> and we're back. <laughs> um, okay. Well, thank you. Uh, I guess. I'm, well, I, well, we'll just try to see if we could f- f- suss it out for ourselves uh, as we're walking eastway down Oi. this.
2: We'll be with you the whole way.
0: I really appreciate that. Yeah, there was a shitty
2: Australian I was trying to throw in there. It didn't go well.
0: It's fine. Um, As we're walking through the hall, I kind of want to just, like, you know, we pass by, you know, that southern sort of passageway that brought us in here. Um, As we continue along, are there more recesses and, like, passageways that branch off from this main hall as we start to go down or...
2: Well, I've got good
0: news and bad news. Oh.
2: Yes, there are. Now that you look, there are passages in embrasures all up and down this wall. The problem is, is that there are quite a few of them.
0: Wait a second. I have a plan. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna look at the group and just be like, "Hey, do we have ten minutes?"
6: More than likely, it's unclear at this point how the battle's going outside.
0: John, we're getting that. F- I'm getting that feedback from you again, by the way. Oh, I, it's really hot in my room and I just want my air conditioning. Damn it. <laughs> I didn't hear it earlier when you were introducing. I yourself. didn't turn it on right
6: away. Oh, <laughs> take your Did top I, off.
2: Yeah, I told take you there sure were. I told you there were a bunch. We're going to say that uh, just for purposes of, you know, setting a scene that there are eight doors, four on each side. The bottom right one, or the, um, I'm sorry, the furthest south westernly one is the one that you took coming out of Baronar True Silver's apartments. So that there are three more further in on that side. There's one across the uh, vast hallway on the other side and another three across from those other doors. There's maybe about 50 feet in between them, between each of them going up.
6: Phoenix, if you have a plan, I might also have a plan. I yeah, can I locate was... any object within a thousand feet of me.
0: That's great. So hang tight. We might be able to combo these effects here, but. I wanted to cast Legend Lore, since I still have one of those... I think I still have at least um, one of those really expensive sticks of incense to do this with. Let's see. I have exactly one left. Um, I want to cast Legend Lore, and what happens is I can name name or describe a person, place, or object. The spell brings to my mind a brief summary of the significant lore about the thing I named. The lore might consist of current tales, forgotten stories, or even secret lore that has never been widely known. If the thing you named isn't of legendary importance, you gain no information, but I would argue that the Great Forge of Moradin would be of legendary importance. Um, The more information I already have about the thing, the more precise and detailed the information you receive is. The information you learn is accurate, but might be couched in figurative language. For example, you may have a you you have you have a mysterious magic axe on hand, the, spe- the spell might yield information like woe to the evildoer whose hand touches this axe, yada 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 yada, right. Um, so it's really just about, I, I want to see, like, based on what I already know, which is that this does exist, that it can open portals to other realms or within realms, and that, you know, Morden himself built it here in Arachnor, right armed with the information I have about this, I would like to cast legend lore as a ritual um, and try to divine more information about it and hopefully learn where it may be located or at least something that could point us in the right direction that jor could then potentially use to locate said Great Forge.
6: We know it's supposed to be over here on the western portion of the
0: this place is fucking massive, though. So I right. this is my this is my way of trying to get a little bit more information to start with here. So if you're cool with that, Dave. Um, I'd like to do that. OK, so you're going to cast that
2: just to run by me the quick and dirty of what it's supposed to give you again. I'm trying so to multitask. Sorry,
0: I'm going to name or describe this person, place or object. So in this case, I'm going to d- name the Great Forge. Of Moradin, the All Father of the Dwarves. Okay, all right. It is now going. You know, during this ten-minute process, I'm going to, you know, be lighting incense. This is a, literally a very expensive stick of incense, mind you. This is a 250 gold stick of incense.
3: A lot of ritualizing will be done. Uh,
0: In front of all these dwarves, both pre and post. <laughs> yeah. I mean,
3: um, now that he's got a crowd, we're really going to get into it. <laughs>
0: I'm gonna ask everyone.
2: He, 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 he got the big stick out, the Nag Champion.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and it, uh, it as it, as it's lit, like it's, it gives off this very this this purple smoke.
2: Ooh. Purple
0: smoke. Uh, and I ask everybody Ooh. I ask everybody to make a circle around me and join hands. Uh-huh.
3: <laughs> with each other or with you? With each other. Are we supposed to look? Are we supposed to make eye contact with you while you are doing
0: it? <laughs> eye contact or no eye contact? You is, I just no want to know
3: how freaky you get.
0: <laughs> that is your choice.
3: It's always eye contact because it makes. Whose hands am I touching?
0: Mine. I think it'd be so funny if like Boris is just like in this circle of hands. By the way, <laughs>
1: <laughs> is this the first time we've been yeah. circle ritualizing? Just
2: because Boris is here at the episode doesn't mean Boris has appeared yet
0: folks. Right. I understand.
2: Yeah. Well, no, no, but just for, you know, a little bit of refreshing for me just to clarify it in my head, but more importantly to just reiterate it for the audience that, uh, yes, Boris remains nowhere to be found.
7: What did those dwarf guards look like that you guys came across, the 15 that were sitting by the fire? So... They are
2: about as, I don't want to say generic, but stereotypical as dwarves get. except You call them
0: super old, like, right?
2: They're, they're yeah, the long
0: beards, they're the long beards, right? Yeah,
2: they're definitely, there's some long gray beards. I mean, it looks like a bunch of uh, really short Unix developers all sitting in a circle, but um, their uh, gear is definitely shown some wear. It's well maintained. The edges of their axes are nice and sharp. But um, you know the uh, the uh, leather uh, parts of their armor are a little faded. Um, there's definitely a little patina starting to form on some of the uh, more brass and bronzy parts of their armor. Like these they are the kind of dwarves you want to roll with, though. Yeah, these are these are dwarves that are going to absolutely destroy some shit in a fight because they have seen some shit. shit.
7: they're older Land than me. Full armor with helmets.
2: Yeah, most of them on their own are older than most nations in
0: the moral world. Mm-hmm. Wait, wait. answer the question. Do they have helmets on? I think I see where she's um, going
2: with this. They, I would say about 50-50. They all have helmets on them. Maybe only about half of them have yeah. their bucket on. The rest of them have their faces out, you know, because they, we don't want it to look generic if they make a cartoon out of this. We're not
0: big on helmets as a people. Very <laughs> hard-headed dwarves are. I mean, yes. Open face helmets. Usually you got to let the beard flow
2: out. (laughs) Oh, they're absolutely open face helmets. They would never have something that impedes the beard. But some more pragmatic dwarves have learned that it's uh, it's um, helpful to have just a little bit extra between their head and the outside world.
5: Mm
4: -hmm. OK, so as we we form the circle, um, I noticed that Hoblet ends up on my left um And I immediately put a glove on my hand. Yeah, I have. And very just kind coarse of skin. like daintily, like allow him to kind of hold like two fingers.
0: I'm going to say right now uh, there, Hoblet, I don't think it's because you have coarse hands that he's putting a glove on.
4: <laughs> Although my hands are very smooth, so I do that. That could that could potentially be a reason.
3: God,
4: uh, who, is, who is who's on my right?
7: Um, So on your right, you you notice a dwarf guard walk up that none of you had seen walking with you, but apparently just appears beside you. And that dwarf guard suddenly blows a a giant pink bubble.
4: (laughs) Hey, I just give her my hand. No glove.
7: Ooh, just
2: giving it to her with no glove. No glove. No protection.
7: She's in an excellent dwarf disguise, so her hands are filthy, like absolutely gross. They make Homlet's hands look like super clean. She's in costume. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. and entirely
2: to your perception, Quinn, that is one of the dwarves just happened to be a bit of a straggler.
4: But didn't I see the the pink bubble? Yeah,
2: after they rolled up next to you. Sure, but like, yeah, you didn't have you didn't have time to judge whether or not to put on a glove before that bubble showed up.
0: (laughs) He's got like lantern oil all over his hands now because like she like like, Boris just was like rubbing essentially grease like all over her hands to look dirty. I mean, Boris just got her hands
7: in what was left of the meat pocket for most of the grease. There's there's still like three week old bacon in there. It's it's not that I
6: forgot how much I hate that
4: term. (laughs) It is. It's it not is the grossness on, on, on uh, Boris that I'm worried about. It's literally just hoblet in general.
2: As terms go, it is really truly visceral. <laughs> <laughs> like in its most raw and elemental form. Oh, yeah, uh, emphasis on viscera.
0: But is everybody joining hands? Like That's really the p- yeah, main point. Everybody is joining yes. hands. We're just describing,
2: we're setting a scene okay. and we're pre-ritualizing.
0: Okay. So yeah, the the purple smoke begins to sort of like surround me, and you know, I my mind is now filled with visions and uh, and a summary of the the thing I described, which was the Great Forge of Moradin, the All of the Dwarves. The only the only stipulation you have as far as information to give me is that. It's essentially what I'm, I'm learning information I don't already know about it, based on what I already know.
2: Okay, so based on what you already know, that it exists, and it is the forge in which uh, the All Father of the Dwarves did his creating.
0: Yes, and that it can open portals to other realms, as well as within the same realm, apparently. Yeah. I know that too.
2: The image, the uh, the answer comes to you in images. It's 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 not just like a description. It's not really uh, directions or anything like that. But the first thing you get is the smell of dirty grease. Like, and and I, I'm sure anyone who's been anywhere near any kind of maintenance shop is just primarily aware of that smell. It is the first thing that comes to you, and. There are other c- uh, sights and sounds and images of... You see the cre- like what almost looks like proto-dwarves being created and things being brought back to be made new. It uh, looks like some weapons have been brought back here, some armor, some even like pieces of stonework have been brought back here to be renewed. And the, the sense you get is that this is uh, not just where Morden creates but the pra- the place from which the fortress of Arachnor
0: is sustained. Um, it's really interesting. So I can kind of like almost, you know, based on that, I've, I've seen at least some, somewhat of what that area looks like, but yeah, I don't really maybe have any inclination on how the hell I get there. Um. Yeah.
2: And um, the, the um, sustained almost, um, you can almost hear that uh, word echoing in your mind, but it seems almost a little blurry at the beginning. Is not just sustained, but maintained, like are the two words that are coming through most clearly at the end.
0: All right, I'm going re- to relay that to the group. Obviously, I want to make sure that they it's clear, right, that I tell everybody what I learned, and I thank them for joining hands. I know the joining hands was completely unnecessary, but Felix is not going to actually say that out loud. Um, I just really wanted everyone else to feel like they were taking part in what I was doing. Yeah. I, I can as do this by you, myself.
2: As you break the ritual, nope. hey, Dave. You, you feel a kind of almost inertia holding you there. And it's it's not like you're being held back by the shoulders, but almost that you feel like you're having to wade back out of there through piles of junk or something.
0: Hmm. Okay.
3: I'd like uh I would like Quinn to make a strength check to get his hand out of my hand. If that's okay with you, Dave, since he decided he wanted to glove up on me and not some rando,
5: um, <laughs> okay, I might then. just I might All just right. hold on
3: for a minute. So All
4: I'd
2: right. like
3: him. Oh.
4: I'd
2: like my to my, my okay.
4: gloved two fingers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Can I um, can I do a stealth check of getting my hand like just out of the glove and just leaving the glove there for him? Maybe, to, like, clutch Maybe, maybe. Okay, wait. Okay. Slam hand, right?
2: Yeah. I Well, okay, well, so. well, 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 well. I I want to start this with a strength contest.
4: Okay. Thank you. <laughs> no, that's fair. Because I wouldn't know to do yeah. the slide. of hand. I
2: like, right? I like the light like of hand, but it has to come after you trying to roll get your a hand out of your too, main sir. strength. So, Hoblet, uh, what do you have? He's not going to like this.
3: This went exactly how I wanted it to go. <laughs> okay. 24.
2: A 24. Okay. <sighs> Quinn, are you at, let's say, a 14 or better on that one? I am at a 30,000. No, I'm at a nine. A nine. Okay, so since you're more than 10 below, I will give you the opportunity to sleight of hand your way out of it Get disadvantage.
4: Disadvantage?
2: Yes, because uh, there was such a, a massive grip. gap in that strength check there. Yeah, that's a hell of a grip. Like he right. is aware of the fingers he is trying to grab onto.
3: Mm-hmm. And I had planned this ever since I side-eyed you and you fucking no-gloved a rando. You no-gloved a rando, man. <laughs> I saw the pink bubble.
5: I right, saw the out. bubble
4: after. Oh, uh,
2: all right. Okay.
4: So I need I need some I need a rule clarification. So right. I have I have nat one. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, at disadvantage, right? I I also have the lucky fee. I can re-roll that one. Correct. But then you still um, have to take the lower. You can re-roll.
0: Oh, I
2: still have to take the lower. Yeah. Yes, you can re-roll the die. You still have to take the lowest of the two.
0: Uh, I was going to okay. be a little more merciful and I would and rather, I would rather not, not off off one it, this. So I mean, of I it. mean, if all things to Nat one, though, this is not the worst.
2: That's yeah, I'm really fair. Yeah, is just, this heart about about. worth burning your lucky
4: feet? Well, oh, just also remember there there is a reputation that Quinn is trying to protect as well.
3: You're gonna no, be grappled. I, I, I already know what I want to, exactly. I already know what I want to happen. If he takes the nat one, I'm definitely pulling him in for a hug.
0: Oh, <laughs> <I'll> take it, <laughs> take it. That is Come on, take it. No. Come on, take
4: the one. Take the I one. I don't want it. I don't want it.
3: You're going All to burn a right. comment. I don't want right. to. Well, ugh. exactly. All right, I'll take
4: the Nat one.
0: Yeah. Uh,
3: come here, buddy. I love when we ritualize together. And uh, uh. he's gonna he's gonna pull Quinn in for a nice bear hug, a nice good, like uh, maybe three Mississippi bear hug. So to be fair though,
4: if you're pulling me into a bear hug and you're half my height, where does your yep. face
3: end up? Right in your belly button. It's super uncomfortable for both of us.
7: <laughs> the dwarf guard holding your other hand also doesn't let go and gets yanked into the hug from behind. Oh, so it's kind of like a sandwich oh, hug no! from yes. both sides. No! I love it.
3: Everything That's... about this natural one. Ooh, <laughs> did I just get- yep. Yeah. Did you enjoy it? No. Unfortunate. We'll try harder next time. Oh. By two technical dwarfs. dwarfs. That's no disgusting. real life dwarves. Nothing technical about it.
4: Anyway,
7: Particular Dwarf's beard is also um, now full of bubblegum. Quinn is Quinn is
4: currently dry heaving while these two dwarves are like bear hugging him from both sides.
2: It's uh, just it's just a perfectly natural expression between a sea lord and two dwarves. Exactly. Act like this sure. is the first time. Um we well, call they're... you in a mannequin. Anyhow, so yeah, you have gotten you've gotten some good symbolic information from your ritual. Um, Quinn has gotten some good uh, information about how much uh, his uh, his uh, uh, fellow party members really do love him. And um, yeah. I think that's uh, where we are right now. A dwarf has blown a bubble and a few people have seen it, but I'm going to say other people have not seen or noticed it yet. So the party and 16 dwarves are now uh, <laughs>
0: hanging out. Uh, Mo, gonna... you're
2: standing vaguely in circular patterns still. Cause, yeah. You know,
0: well, I thank everybody for their cooperation. Um, and then I'm going to turn to the dwarves again and be like, Hey, uh, by any chance, you know, you may not know necessarily where this hidden uh, forge is, but you wouldn't happen to be aware of any, I don't know, like junk closets, so to speak, would you? Or any places where that kind of stuff was dumped?
2: Huh? What kind of
0: junk are we talking about? I'm going to try to briefly describe, I guess, like what the... the well, I'm not sure if I got any visions of that. I think you said that was more a feeling, right, of like clutter and junk yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I, yeah. I wanted to be impression type stuff. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I I, I just say that it the was like, I'm not entirely sure, but I guess like maybe I'm thinking about maybe like like materials, like um, like forging, actual forging materials, or things that could be could be smelted, or um, you know, like like maybe even like things as simple as like old dinnerware and like, you know, like metal stuff like that. Right. That would just be have just been thrown away somewhere, or cluttered or just like, you know, just all shoved, you know, in storage.
2: Not sure any of them were Morden's forge. We do have forges here. He hefts his axe a little bit. I mean, these things just don't grow out of the ground. I mean, the wood part does. But that's not the point.
0: Um, can you take me to the, I guess, to one of those forges? Maybe we, maybe it's somewhere, like, attached.
5: Yeah,
2: we'll go to the nearest weapon forge. We'll go across the way. One of these doors will get us there. And, uh, he starts stumping across the hallway, you know, the echo of his feet going clonk, 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 you know, echoing through this big cavernous space as he trudges along to the exact opposite side of the hallway. Um, he's headed to the door exactly opposite the one uh, that leads to Baronar true silvers quarters.
0: Okay. So, north?
2: Yes, the most northwest of the eight doors.
0: Got Perfect. It. Okay, It's
2: the exact direction we wanted to go in. Yes, yeah, so exactly north of where you uh, had gone to Baranar's, uh chamber. okay I this is definitely a price of some kind of some mundane creation not sure we can build a portal off of any of this let's go take a look see what we can find Maybe yeah. let's get some
0: different taxes yeah I mean lead the way let I mean, you know let's see yeah. if we'll see if there's anything interesting here
2: he does and he gets to a uh Oh, thick oak door with uh, big metal, uh, ro- uh, you know, iron bands across it. Yanks on it a few times, and it gives them some gives them a bit of a hard time. anybody get any oil or grease around here?
0: <laughs> uh, actually, as it as it so happens, uh, I do, and I pull out the you know the spritzer bottle of oil that we've been. That's a fancy with. bottle. Thanks! Yeah, we, we kind of came up with the idea ourselves. It's patent pending.
2: I don't know what a patent is. You can pend it all you want.
0: <laughs> pend some of it at those hinges. Oh, I, I, I do what I've been doing best this whole time, and I lubricate the shit out of those hinges.
6: Felix, would you like me to use my locate object?
0: I'd say once we start getting clued in, Yes, because does that well, actually, does that work? Um, like if the object is behind like total cover, you know how like divine sense doesn't allow you to do that, like, yeah. like exact um, location. The, what yeah, would I the read, exact text say? All right, I got it. So, describe or name an object that is familiar to you. You sense the direction to the object's location as long as that object is within one thousand feet of you. If the object is in motion, you know the direction of its movement. The spell can locate a specific object known to you as long as you have seen it up close within 30 feet at least once. Oh, Altern- okay. okay. Alter- alternatively, the spell can locate the nearest object of a particular kind, such as a certain kind of apparel, jewelry, f- jewelry furniture tool, or weapon. The spell can't locate an object if any thickness of lead, even a thin sheet, blocks a direct path between you and the object
2: okay okay I can dig it I, I, I see how I'm gonna uh, I see how I'm gonna wrangle this
0: so we'd have to okay you'd because you haven't actually seen it up close ever in your life so that hinders us a bit and it might
6: not look like what we think it looks like
0: well I'm going to describe to Jarell in as much detail as I can and I'm not sure if this is going to require a check or something because I have no I but I'm going to try to go into as much detail as I can about what I saw in those visions to describe to him, I guess, like, what some of the objects in that Great Forge looked like. You know what I mean? But, like, this is somebody trying to describe what, it, like, the imagery in their head out loud to a person for them to then visualize, right? So this could be, this, there's, there's some ambiguity here. And it's going to be dependent on how well I guess I'm able to describe the details to him.
2: All right, that's fine. I've got plenty of stuff on definite versus indefinite articles too. But let's, uh, so um, how are you describing this to
0: Jarl? So when I I guess in those visions I saw right of like some of the the, 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 I guess precursor dwarves right being created and And all the things that were being used to like, you know, essentially build and sustain this fortress. Did I ever see like any sort of significant looking anvil, for example, or like a hammer um, that would that looked, you know, atypical to all of the other types of, you know, me living amongst dwarves for a while and gnomes, right? I've seen plenty of and Peridol, right? Being a blacksmith, I've seen plenty of normal blacksmithing tools I was looking for anything that looked of legendary importance in that sort of in those visions, right? Like some sort of great anvil, like massive fucking anvil or some, you know, I don't know, masterwork smithing hammer. Like something I could describe to him for him to then locate using or use locate object on to point us in a general direction.
2: No, in fact, all of the things that you got visions of what would have been most remarkable to you is not how legendary they were but how thoroughly mundane like there were hammers and anvils but they looked like every other hammer and anvil you've ever seen and there would have been several probably um the majority of that vision would have probably been less about seeing the actual hammer and anvil and more of you know that um the, yeah, the, the, the smell of uh, you know burning coke, the, um, the, the heat from the forges, the clang of steel on steel. like Those are really the meat and potatoes of what you got out of it. Could we ask the
3: dwarves if, uh, what is it, Morden, if he had a particular place that he made his weapons or he went to a lot?
0: Well, I, we asked him if they frequented any spot, and he said he came and go as he pleased, so like, I think that... Well, he came and went as
3: he pleased, but now we can be more specific and say, like, where did he make his weapons? We we're not just asking them, like, oh, where did he go? You know, where was he about? We're saying, do you know where he went to make his weapons?
0: Ask him, whatever.
3: Brothers, do you know where Morden went to forge his steel? You mean his own personal steel? Yes, of course.
2: Oh, ooh, ooh. you could find that. You be the luckiest of dwarves there are. It's not the sort of thing that uh, you'd allow people to know. There's a thing about gods. The weapons, especially a god of war like him. His weapons are a part of him. It's very likely that they're c- creator of his very essence. Not so much forged from any mundane steel that that we here have, but a part of his very being, his essence. Could you forge those sorts of things? Yes. But where would you forge a part of your very self?
3: I didn't know him. That's why I'm asking you.
2: (laughs) Wow. I mean... We know him probably about as well as you know Krangadin. How well do you really know him? Hoblet pauses for a second
3: and, and looks up reminiscingly on the good times that he's been kind of <laughs> <trying laughs> with And then he just nods at this guy and just walks away.
2: I'm to try to ask you what his favorite beer is. I'm to ask you the contents of his heart.
6: Blood mostly bled
2: <laughs> Just go go and juice I, I don't juice. you forget cholesterol thank you very much <laughs> you didn't get this thick vegetables don't don't didn't we
1: thick physically or like mentally
2: <laughs> yes <laughs> thick
0: um are we Is in it- one of the one of these forges down by the way
2: you are heading down uh you've gone through a doorway and um we're gonna say that this conversation is going on as you're descending an abnormally long and wide staircase and abnormally wide is just a little wider than your average hallway this would probably be a good 20 25 feet wide almost like the great staircase of you know, like a performing center or something, you know, Mm -hmm. what you take to get up to the balconies. But instead of that, it's just, you know, walls on either side and it goes down and down and down. We're talking hundreds of of feet at at a good, you know, stairs pitch. Okay. Like this door just goes into this hallway. It opens up and whoosh, it's a straight shot. So a lot of, uh, we're going to say a lot of this conversation has been going on on the hoof, as it were, as you head on down and probably a good 500 feet down and out. We're going to say the stairs, you know, they're, the stairs themselves are only maybe about six or so inches, you know, kind of choppy for you full-size people to walk down, but regular size for dwarves and the other short folk in the party.
5: Nice. Okay. Could I uh, ask your name, good sir?
0: Which one are you asking? There's 15 of them, 16 of so, them.
5: The one I mean, has it just been one that we've been talking to mainly? Yeah, he's mostly been the
2: foreman, the corporal. Aye, they call me Gerald.
5: Did you say Gerald or Gerald?
2: I Gerald.
5: Well, it's a pleasure to meet you. Thank you so much for oh, your God. help.
0: Let me just write that down. J-A-R-R-R-R-R-A-L-D.
5: Sure, that It too. could
6: be just J-A-R-R-R-A-L-D. <laughs>
5: <laughs> that's, that's what I wrote. And <laughs> I <laughs> yeah, put the little umlauts over the A. Yeah, I was to
4: say, like a, like a, yeah, or a loop-de-loop at the end of it. <laughs> oh, my God.
2: Dwarves are huge fans of the inclusive or.
4: J-A-R-R-R-R-R-A-L-D. <laughs> is, is,
2: is it blank or blank? I.
5: <laughs> well uh Gerald uh, it's a pleasure to meet you thank you so much for your help would you would you care for a drink I got a little uh, nip here in my pocket aye never say no to a drink why don't you go ahead and polish that off if you want I got plenty of more in fact somebody, somebody around here has something to drink what kind of bottle is it is uh, it a wineskin is- this is just like, yeah, probably a wineskin or even a personal flask—just something discreet and small that he would keep in his jacket. Okay,
2: so not really something with solid sides. Okay, yeah, he, uh, you know, it up into his mouth. One of the other dwarves runs over and, with both hands, smacks both of the sides of the uh, wine skin, and you just see like booze just filling the guy and just spurt everywhere out of the sides i do not a good damn it, Jim. What have you done this time? All, all 16. Well, yeah, I think I can speak for it. All 15 of the other dwarves are laughing raucously. After about, pff, oh, three to five seconds. So was Gerald.
0: Does one of those dwarves with a bubblegum beard happen to open a pocket full of godly dwarven ale? <laughs>
7: yet <laughs> alright
0: yeah all looks normal here yep
7: all
2: all is right with the world the dwarves just uh, you know giving each other a hard time especially Gerald and Jim they seem to be some real odd couple
0: hmm. they've known each other
3: for like 300 years
0: Lord well, they've man. known each other for like the eternity of afterlife. So who knows how long that's been for them?
3: Well, they just met here. <laughs> they just
2: met. Here.
0: <laughs> Sorry, we get a little raucous. We haven't all been soldiers our whole
2: lives. Sometimes we fall back on the old ways of, you know, having fun before we had to defend this place, every hour of every day. They can script you, you know. Otherwise, you just live a normal life, having a normal job. In a place like this, you'd think even in the afterlife, oh no. you get to, I don't know, pluck on harps and have wings or whatever it is, a trace of Veyroth going on about. But no, none of that. Just more life being a dwarf. Except forever. It's wonderful until you're under attack. And yeah, Gerald and uh, Gerald starts leading the way down the stairs again.
0: Hmm. Okay, well, we're going down pretty far, so this 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 is giving me hope that we're still heading in the right general direction. Yep. After about
2: five six hundred feet, you guys get to a landing at the bottom, probably a twenty five by twenty five area, and a big double door at the end, a good ten feet wide and tall even for dwarves probably 15 feet high at the middle
0: can someone reach the doorknob because I (laughs) it's
2: a dwarven citadel we can all reach the doorknob unless some of you have an aversion to bending over
5: oh does it Gerald
2: just walks up grabs the ring on the door and yoinks it open it's dark on the inside how about impressed? Yeah, must and dust are the first things you kind of get a sense of coming out of there. It's almost even though it's dark, it, it's it's sort of a hazy dark even as you open it. This place has not been touched in quite a while.
5: Hedrick will cast light on his drumsticks.
2: Hedrick casts light on his drumsticks and the immediate area is illuminated. It is hazy with uh, dust just hanging thick in the air and coating almost all of the surfaces. The room is sparse, relatively clean. There are a number of smaller anvils uh, with uh, darkened forges and embrasures along the wall, probably about five on each side, and then on something that almost looks like a rounded dais at the far end of the room. In uh, what almost parallels... Like a a church of Valen, except you know, not Valen at all and definitely not a church. There's a much larger anvil, almost in the position like an altar would be in in the church, right on this uh, rounded dais at the far end of the room. Hmm. The very large forge behind it is also dark and quiet.
0: Um, anyway, we can I don't know, start her up. No, we're gonna light
2: a whole lot of firewood. Maybe some accelerant.
0: There's not. It's not in here.
2: Oh, maybe there is. I just stepped into this room, same as you. Let's take a look around. See what we can find.
0: I mean, yeah, that's what I was suggesting. Yep, yes, absolutely, great idea. <laughs>
5: The hedrick will at least look to see if there's any notable, like, light sources, any, um, you know, like, uh, braziers or torches on the walls.
2: There are what appear to be maybe a few hanging, uh, from some, uh, wrought iron chandeliers hanging from the ceiling, but it seems that at least at the edges in the back of the room that it was understood this place was lit by the fires of the forges themselves. Fair enough. You know, at that point with, you know, 11 large fires in a room, torches kind of seem like overkill.
5: Do I see any weapons in this room?
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So in the spaces between all of those forges are racks of axes. Hmm. Also a few swords, but it doesn't look like there's a whole lot of effort put into them it really seems like the inhabitants of the citadel favor axes for some reason that is just completely unknown.
5: It's a mystery. Edric's feeling (laughs) like he missed his chance. When we were in the living quarters with Baron Art, there were tables with plus one long swords, you know, masterwork swords. And he probably would have grabbed them, but he didn't think it was the right time. And then here, this other offered us some weapons and he's like, Fuck, I don't know how to use an axe. <laughs> well,
0: hey, he, there are some swords, he said. Yeah, there are some
2: swords. It's just there are a good 20 axes for every sword that's in here. Battle axes, hand axes, one handed axes, two handed axes, uh, ones with hooks at the end of them.
0: Any any double sided axes like like a like a you know like a twin axe
2: like oh not like a double bladed axe but like you know if darth maul suddenly decided he wanted to get into forestry
0: yeah pretty much (laughs) (laughs) Mm. Uh, not that i'd be interested but yeah they're just it just sounds cool sure why not there's a couple of them they
2: they're dwarf sized though so uh i don't know a full-sized person might almost a like
6: uh tool. like if you had what are those halibirds where there's yeah. like an axe on the one end and then but it's like double axe yeah. yeah like
2: <laughs> slightly less but still axe the axe on the the pommel yeah yeah there's uh there's definitely some of those even some that look like they're made for mounted combat which you know and they they go in dwarf size some of them are even bigger than dwarf size like there's there's a couple of those um Mounted weapons that are probably, you know, good six feet long of uh, pole between the two uh, between the two metal pieces.
5: Well, Hedric will try to find a nice pair of hand axes, something that he can throw or, you know, use a little more finesse with. Okay. Um, I would say,
2: um, make me an investigation check you're investigating to try to find them and I don't know if there's a fine shit check. (laughs) Thirteen. Thirteen is good enough. You do manage to find one mundane and one plus one throwing axe.
5: Alright, maybe these will come in handy.
7: Once distracted, looking at weapons, the uh, dwarf guard with the bubble gum in their beard has produced a tinderbox and a flask of oil seemingly out of nowhere.
0: Nice. Okay.
2: And this uh, dwarf number 16 is, uh, are they doing
7: anything with it? Uh, Just kind it. of
2: hanging on to it, milling around the middle of the room.
7: Nope, they're going to walk over to uh, Gerald. And, and hand over the tinderbox to the oil, going, ah, jowls, here you go.
2: Oi, thank see. you. Rookie. He leans over to Jim. Do we have any rookies on the squad? And for the life of me, picture his face. I mean, I'd recognize a beard anywhere, but he doesn't look right. is a dwarf. You've never seen him before. Jim looks at him. It's because you're getting old! Oh, shut up. Gerald uh, takes it and stumps over to one of the fireplace... uh, to uh, one of the forges. Need a little bit of kindling to get this going. Oi! We don't need all the axes in this room. Bring me a... Somebody
0: bring me a handful of axe handles. Um, can I just look around to see if there's actually any real logs or, like, actual wood to burn in here? Um,
2: yeah, there actually is a uh, pile of wood uh, stacked up on the right side of the room. It's, by this point, very well cured.
0: Yeah, I'm just going to, like, stack a bunch of that like in, like, the like bellows of the forge, you know, where... Huh.
2: Uh, which one? Just one of the ones along the side there? Or?
0: No, if there's, if, there's, if there's another one behind the larger anvil on the plinth, I'd like to stack it in there.
2: Okay. Um, there isn't a pile near there, but, I mean, with a little bit of uh, you know elbow grease and maybe some teamwork, you could uh, get a pretty decently sized pile in there in a couple minutes. I'm assuming that's what you want to do? Yes. All right. It's relatively easy for you to rustle up a couple of the dwarves who are just sort of milling around you know, either inspecting the work or just navel-gazing or whatever it is dwarves do when they're in a darkened forge, and uh, they help you uh, set that up.
5: I would think there's a cheerful scene where we're all lined up in a row and we're all throwing the logs one by one in a mm-hmm. daisy chain all the way up to the stack, and they're neatly tossed over the shoulder, which flip and land perfectly linear in a pile, stacked up.
2: So you envision one thing, but you're thinking of a different kind of dwarf. They do it. And with shocking actual efficiency, but oh dear God, the bickering. Oh, the bickering.
5: (laughs) 15 assholes.
2: (laughs) Wow. Two of them yanking on either sides of like a chunk of wood two of them have gotten in a wrestling match and yet still somehow after three minutes all the wood's in the the forge. (laughs) You actually barely see any wood actually moving to the forge either which is, it's
0: shocking. What Um, happens? I also, you know, this might help. I have a forgery kit. No? Uh No one?
2: Nope. Okay. I mean, yes, <laughs> but
0: uh, dwarf number
2: 16 has done a much better job of forgery than anything you could. do you
0: <laughs> All right, well, let's light this sucker.
2: All right, so
0: we are trying to
2: light a forge, huh? We sure are. Okay. Um, I would say one person who wants to do it, if you want to make a survival check... Who is lighting this fire?
0: So, He's got the survival.
3: I'm a plus four.
0: So hold on. Hold on. Um, oh, well, I mind. think should, it should it should be the dwarf.
6: Yeah, it definitely should be Hablet.
0: I feel like should it should Havlet. be. I feel like this should be lit by a dwarf.
3: Yeah, 100. Yeah, give it's me true. the damn thing. All
0: right. <laughs> Wait, could you could you use sacred flame on it? Uh,
3: oh. un- unnatural twenty
0: unnatural 20 which is
2: yeah that's uh, that's pretty uh, that's pretty awesome
5: you should I mean that's radiant light be like a magnifying glass with your unnatural 20 you
2: are able to do a reasonably good job lighting this you even manage to keep at least 75% of the hair on your forearms like it's a good day
3: and it doesn't even touch my beard beard. right that's the important part my yep. forearm hair will go back in six hours.
2: If that. Um, <laughs> and yes, uh, what starts as a small little fire eventually consumes the wood pretty quickly and is now a roaring blaze in, in the forge. Ah. Yep. Yeah. It, it probably take it would take about two hours of this wood burning down to really get the kind of coals you need to be able to smelt, but the forge is, is now lit. I now was about to say the forges are lit, but you really only lit this one at the
0: back. Well, now that the one at the back is lit, I'd like us to now light the other two.
2: Okay. There are more than just uh one on each side, but yeah, the other ones, if you want to light those, it's a trivial thing for me this
0: point. I, I was gonna say, I kinda want this whole I want this whole room to be fired up. I just wanted the, the one behind the like anvil altar, so to speak, right, be to be lit first.
2: Alright. And uh thing things light up properly. The forges in this room are all lit. The smoke goes up and is uh, sort of trapped by some sort of exhaust system that uh, is just incorporated into the stonework. For having 11 fires in in what isn't that big of a room. Like, it's big. It's probably 100 by 150 or something like that. Like, more than big enough that there is room, there is echo, like there's space for all this stuff. And it looks sparse and clean. Even with 16, 17, 18,
0: 19, 20, 21, 22 people in the room. Okay. Now that the the fires are lit, essentially, right? We have some time as the, you know, the coals start to burn down, you know, and just kind of have that good radiant heat. Radiant heat? (laughs) Um, (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) <laughs> uh, <clears throat> I'd like to see, aside from weaponry, are there any other interesting looking ingots or tools in this particular forge? Anything that may strike my eye I'm willing to, you know, uh, attempt to investigate?
2: um the tools are all pretty bog standard you have um for each of the forges you've got uh you know your quenching bath your tongs uh hammers in several different sizes and weights uh you've got the anvil you probably have other blacksmithing and blacksmithing adjacent tools Bear with me, as I'm not a blacksmith myself, so I don't know uh, what other ones might be there. But you can assume that anything that would be a normal forge is at each one of these stations. The ones at at the main anvil, which, to be fair, is a very large anvil, we're talking probably a good six feet by three feet at the top of just flat space on this thing. And it sits... A little higher than waist high on a dwarf. So we're talking about mm, two and a half, three feet up off the ground. Maybe about chest high to you, Felix.
0: Is there any ore or anything that could be melted, smelted, or are there are there any like ingots yes. kind of floating around? Okay.
2: Yep. That is uh, the other thing is there are no less than five steel ingots at every single one of these stations. A stack of thirty of them at the uh, big forge,
0: and really just steel though, like no like exotic metals or anything like that.
2: Not to your reckoning. Remember, you only looked at it. It appears to be steel. It looks like steel. It probably is steel.
0: I'd, I but. mean, I'd, I'd, I'd like to investigate the ingots and stuff, and like you know, some of the, mater- the raw materials at the main anvil, around the main anvil, to kind of maybe understand if there's anything. Maybe I don't know that catches my eye is something that maybe we should use or that could maybe unlock another clue. I don't know. I'm just trying to figure figure out what, what we're working with here.
5: Hedrick will bring his glow sticks over to help you.
0: <laughs> well, it's pretty well lit in here now, right?
5: Well, you never know, you know, dynamic lighting and you know, fires blazing. Sure, there's ambient light, but you might want to get fair. some finer details.
0: Yeah, like looking for anything iridescent, or you know, actually, I might even flip my magic detection goggles down too and see if any of these ingots or ores or anything like that uh, resonate any sort of magical. So, Hedrick, you're helping
6: Felix, then? Yeah.
5: Yeah. So he can roll advantage. All
0: right. If he wants to investigate. Yeah, I'd like to investigate.
2: All right, what specifically are you investigating again? The raw materials. The raw materials. Okay. Um, Yeah, make your check. 18. 18. These do all appear to be mundane steel. It is of the absolute highest quality. Uh, We're talking this is pure steel. Like it has been smelted by somebody who really knows what the hell they're doing. There are no imperfections. There isn't so much as a scratch on these things. It's like they are made of polished stainless. Mirror finish. You can see your reflection
0: in them clearly with no distortion. No magical resonance on on those things? I guess I'm looking at them with the goggles flipped down. None at all. How about on the anvil itself? A very faint
2: glow of magic on the anvil itself. Understand.
0: Just trying to think if, like, there's something that like, connects all of this stuff together because, like, you know, I was thinking about the feelings I had of, like, you know, what maintains and sustains this place. I mean, that's just that's the forge, that's this place, right? Um, but I also had that feeling of, like, I don't know, things being like cluttered. And I, I mean, I guess it kind of is here, but I don't know. I'm just trying to think if there's like something we have to like something we need to do in order to kind of like start it up, like start everything up to like, you know, strike the anvil with, you know, with something, you know what I mean? Um, like, I don't know.
6: Jarrell doesn't know a whole lot about dwarves and dwarven religion, but um, he's thinking maybe that there's something along the lines of with the number of how many um, kilns there are or something along those lines. If he can remember anything about Moradin and his forging powers. With a religion check.
2: Yeah, let me make sure I'm on Morden's page uh, real quick and take a good look at that. And sure, make a religion check. What uh, what kind of information are you trying to divine out of your knowledge of Moradin, by the way? Tell you oh, that right, was a one, no date,
6: wasn't it? It doesn't matter.
2: <laughs> was it the natty one? It was. <laughs> Moradin is utterly fixated on the number 11. This is significant as fuck.
6: <laughs> okay, well now Jarrell is hurriedly rushing around lighting all the
0: the kilns. They yeah. should all be yeah, they should all be lit by now. Right.
5: <laughs> i I think it might be up to you. But I think you've got it in you. Because this place is your bloodline, right? This is this is where you come from. This is all your people, man. I mean I just know you've got it in you. Somehow, some way this thing is gonna revolve around you. Because you're special and you're my friend. Ah! Gerald cries out, Nay! Nay!
2: We, the children of Morden, we were built in forges in places like this. Oh, him? Sort of clang clanging in silver beards. They all crawled out from under pub tables.
6: Oh, from his toenail. <laughs>
3: As determined a long ago. <laughs> well, friendo, you haven't been much help thus far. Hoblet's gonna kinda.
2: What have you
7: done?
3: I'm not claiming to be Moradin's bloodline. As Hoblet's like not even looking at dude, he's just kinda like looking Well, Anya,
7: for
2: not. Klingon's silver beard is his own wonderful. Uh, is his own divine bloodline. You need to take Moradin that is noble on its own. Still crawling out from under a pub table is some sort of mark of dishonor. You don't know dwarves at all if you think that.
3: Maybe start to make a weapon. I'm I'm in full ignore mode. of Sure.
2: Yeah. Go, Go for it. Yeah, no. Like, Gerald's whole point was his people are the creators, your people are the drunks. They're both a part of dwarven society. Yes, but uh, yeah, no, absolutely. You can go ahead and start to make uh, make a weapon. You've got everything you would need to do so. Um, do we have any crafting skills of any kind?
3: <laughs> That's what I've been kind of scouting. so. As we're in here, I'm like I'm here <laughs> right, right. and like looking at stuff because, like, no St- stone cutting.
2: Okay.
0: Um, I'm i gonna argue that you just like get like one of those ingots super hot and strike it on the anvil with Trixie
5: Hedrick sh- expire- inspired you to shape it
3: yeah could I see I'm uh, would I use Trixie
0: would you I don't know it's the, it's the greatest hammer you've ever known.
3: Yeah, she's a skull smasher, though, not a forager.
5: But you were blocking blows from Klangadin all those you know, months you yeah, were Yeah, you're training. right. Yeah, yeah yeah, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a yeah, strong
0: yeah, yeah. hammer. Magical hammer. Why not yep. use it on a magical fucking anvil, right?
3: Yep. Just starts you... hammering out. Okay. Hammering out the tricks.
0: Okay. Oh.
2: So So Hoblet uh, heats up the ingots. He uses the tongs to move this heated ingot over to the anvil, pulls out Trixie and lowers it with a mighty blow and crack! The head of Trixie splits in two.
5: Both hands
2: both fall away off of the handle and clang harmlessly on either side of the ingot which has not uh, changed at all and lay on the anvil. If
3: if this is where you're ending it, Oh, you know me. He's, he's, Hobbit is on his knees about to
2: sob. And that is where we're going to end this episode of the Hapless Heroes podcast. Oh, if you God. like us and the terrible things I do to these people, you can find us on the internet. We are in <laughs> such places as Reddit slash R slash Hapless Heroes podcast. We are on both Twitter and the gram at Hapless Heroes. We can even be found on the Book of Faces Search for Hapless Heroes Podcast. Every single one of those will take you to the crown jewel of our internet presence, our Discord server where you can meet and greet and uh, associate with us reprobates on a daily basis. We have a number of channels about DD and not DD and all those other chunks of life that are in between those shades of gray between DD and not DD that we so love and you should probably join
0: us yeah as i say you should probably join us on there because it looks like james is getting ready to quit the show now so you got to (laughs) convince him to stay.
3: i'm reading about what i can do
2: (laughs) (laughs) if you really like us you could leave us a five-star review in the podcast service of your choice if uh, your podcast service allows you to leave reviews by all means leave us one there uh just you know be honest and tell the world and it helps people find our show more stars obviously gets us a little more visibility but give us an honest review you know do do what your heart tells you to do on that one now if your podcast service for whatever reason doesn't allow it we have in our discord a channel called five stars where you could also leave a review now if you are overseas and like leaving a review on like the you know the apple store over there it might be a while before we see it but we will try our hardest to find it if you if we don't, just poke us. Now, if you really really like us, you could donate to our Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/haplessheroes, where we have a variety of reward tiers that you can show your appreciation to our podcast in financial form, and we absolutely do use that to pay for our hosting costs and our equipment and you know any maintenance to our equipment that we might need to do if something goes awry and we need to like you know have a laptop fixed or something like that those are the thi- uh, like those are the funds that keep this podcast running we are eternally grateful to our patrons thank you so much um, you know you, you help us do this without having to stick in shitty mid-roll ads so uh, thank you. Thank you, and thank you.
1: And if you like us right now, you like us, build a set of ping-pong-playing robots and send them to Mars, and they'll live there forever playing ping-pong, and give them a little boombox and uh, have
0: our our podcast play it for them. (laughs) There you go. These robots are going to have to be designed to play ping-pong and adjust for the physics of the gravity of Mars, too, which is...
5: Really Duh! God damn it! That's why they're robots. <laughs> yeah, that the table does. is so huge; they have to get from one oh, human... the table.
1: To... I, I don't know. think a me hu- a, a middling human brain could even handle playing ping pong on Mars. That's why they've got to be robots. Of course. Oh.
2: There we have it.
3: Um, not to be, but did did he skip the Sally Field in the whole deal? Did I miss? He it? sure did. He sure did. You just you just, Fuck. You just yes. you didn't do it right. You
0: didn't yeah, do the you Zach right, Zach. Do it again. You know Dance. what this monkey like, band. Dance.
1: Nope. Th- that's just what happened this week. All right. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's, what, that's
0: what. it is,
2: and we'll see how the audience reacts. But we can cut that
0: part out and just let yeah. him kind of just let it. him react.
2: Anyhow, there's nothing left for me to do but outro our cast, and I'm going to do it the same way I usually do it, by backing out the opposite way that I came in. So to my right, as the fabulous Felix Fizzlebottom, we have Francesco. I have a plan. To his right, as Lord jor the Light, we have John. Until next time. To his right, we have Boris the Butcher, played by Nicole.
7: Ah, who's Boris? I'm a dwarf. My name's Jauris. (laughs)
2: Joris and Gerald Couldn't have been Boris and Doris Joris is way better
5: (laughs) Joris
2: To her right we have Pregnard played by Zack
1: Uh Pregnard is Collecting a a nice Little film of goo He's gonna try to piece these Pieces of Trixie back together (laughs) Using his natural adhesion
2: Oh god To his right, we have Hedrick the Entertainer, played by Phil.
5: I didn't think it was possible. He smashed Trixie.
2: To his right, we have Lord and Captain Quinn Southwind, played by Mike.
4: Literally still trying to get the dwarf funk off
3: me from that hug.
2: And to his right, we have Hoblet the Smasher, played by James.
3: I'll be working on 500 words about how I fucked up Trixie.
2: My name is Dave, and I've been your host and Dungeon Master for this evening. We will see you next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. Bye-bye now. Bye. Bye. Bye.
3: Bye.
1: Bye. Goodbye,
5: Trixie. Goodbye.
1: Fuck off. <laughs>